0: I sell marketing strategy. Nobody ever wakes up and says, I'm gonna go buy some marketing strategy today. <laughs> you know, they wake up and say, how come I can't charge as much as my competitors? Or how come when I look at Google, I'm not showing up in the rankings?
1: Good morning, welcome to the Grounded Content Podcast. I'm your host, Marion Abrams. This is a podcast where I talk to you, professional creatives, marketers, content creators, and strategists. For most of my career, I've been creating content in one way or another. But about 10 years ago, I started to really dig into how that content gets used and how it's used effectively, how it's developed effectively. And when I started that journey, one of the first people I found was our guest today, John Jantz from Duct Tape Marketing. He was sharing really accessible, really good information by way of his podcast, Duct Tape Marketing. His books include Duct Tape Selling, SEO for Growth, The Commitment Engine, The Referral Engine, and his newest book the ultimate marketing engine. Five steps to ridiculously consistent growth. What I enjoy about this conversation is this is not just philosophical. This is really practical, experience-driven information. You can find all of John's information at ducttapemarketing.com. That's D-U-C-T, tapemarketing.com. Before we jump into the interview, I want to just talk to you briefly about what I'm doing currently. I'm beginning to offer some small group masterclasses and workshops around strategic content creation, finding your voice, effective interviewing. These are not hacks or quick fixes. We're working through some of the real essentials that you can apply to your content. Why do essentials matter besides the obvious? Technology is changing really fast right now. Platforms are constantly shifting. The only way you can stay on top of that, stay ahead of that, is to get your feet firmly planted on the ground with the essentials and fundamentals. I've seen every type of video editing tool, from film to video to some of the very first nonlinear editing systems. But the essentials remain the same. The craft of storytelling, developing great content, understanding your audience. That's the only way to future-proof your messages. All right, now we're going to jump into this interview with John Jantz, and I'll be back at the end with more information about how to get his book and a little bit more about what I'm doing. So, John, welcome to Granted Content. I have to confess, there's a little bit of a fan in me when I first made the move from video production, which I'd done my whole life, into marketing and messaging. Especially because I would produce these videos for clients and then they wouldn't do anything with them. So I realized I needed to start studying that. And when I first did, I found your content and your podcast and started listening. And it really was my entrance into this different way of thinking about how you talk to the audience and how you find your audience, all of that. So I'm really excited to have you on the show to talk about your new book, which is called The Ultimate Marketing Engine, Five Steps to Ridiculously Consistent Growth, which is a pretty good name. So welcome.
0: Well, you could tell a marketer wrote that. (laughs) Yes, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks for having me.
1: So let's jump right in. I will tell you, I pre-ordered your book. I haven't received it yet, but I have read a lot of the materials. And you, like many podcast guests, provided a list of recommended questions, and I like to stay away from those. I know I'm going to change that. It's not that I like to stay away from them. They're actually usually really good questions, but I like to bring my own perspective to the sure. conversation. Yeah.
0: As a host, I'm on the other side of that as well, so I totally agree with you.
1: So I'm going to jump in with one of the things that was in your question, though, which was you talked about treating clients as members rather than customers being less transactional. So one of the things that I talk about a lot on this podcast is this idea that being grounded and honest is being tactical and effective. And one of the reasons is that if you sort of go for the short-term sale, you actually lose out in terms of the lifetime value of the customer and the customer as a ambassador for your product.
0: So this idea of customer as member, I'm not, of course, talking about a membership program or a subscription i 'm really talking about more about a point of view as you talked about you know what if you viewed customers or creating customers for life, what would that mean you would have to do, but also what would it change in the relationship typically, if we belong to something that we really believe in, we also evangelize what I did in this book is tried to actually show how we could do that in a tactical way, how we could be very practical about Viewing our customers from where they are today to where they want to go or where they want to be and building internally kind of the infrastructure of content and service offerings that really do allow people to kind of move through stages as they are a customer of your business and receive hopefully a transformation, you know, rather than just buying something.
1: I know you talk about five steps. Obviously, it's right there in the title. And one of them is really understanding the problems that your customers have and i love that you're tactical about this because there's so many people out there sort of giving these broad philosophical strokes and when you actually dig in and ask how they don't have an answer. So how do you do that?
0: Well, this is actually my 7th book and frankly, you know, my book is not researched as a project, you know, to put out there. I just write about the stuff i do this stuff every single day. So there is very much a practical, i guess, application to everything i write about. But in this step, step number two, discover the real problem you solve. I mean, I think a lot of businesses sit around thinking that people want what we sell. And really what they want is their problem solved. I sell marketing strategy. Nobody ever wakes up and says, I'm going to go buy some marketing strategy today. <laughs> you know, They wake up and say, how come I can't charge as much as my competitors? Or how come when I look at Google, I'm not showing up in the rankings? I mean, those are the problems they want to get solved. And so if I can help them understand that I get you, I get the problems that you're having, then they're going to give me the opportunity to connect that to the fact that those are strategy problems. And so I think that, every business out there that has customers should be interviewing those customers, should be talking to them and understanding the real problem you solve because it probably has nothing to do with your product or service. It's probably little things that they're just not getting in their life in other ways. Another great tool that we have now, Google reviews or some sort of reviews and testimonials. If you've got five-star reviews, the words that they actually use are some of the best content you will ever find because if somebody voluntarily goes and stumbles through the process of talking about how awesome you are, they're probably going to talk about the problems that you actually solve. I use those not only for core messages, we use them for email subject lines, for blog posts, ideas. I mean, it is just a treasure trove of information, not only for your own business, look at your competitors, look at other aspirational competitors around the world, read reviews just as a way to understand the consumer that you're trying to impact.
1: I love this idea of actually pulling the language right out of those reviews. This is something I've been hearing a lot, interview potential customers or interview current customers. What are some of the kinds of things you would ask so that you don't actually direct the conversation accidentally?
0: So it's the question after the question. What we just then as researchers have to do is say, tell me more. Tell me a story about a time when they provided better service. And then you start really hearing the emotional language that you can use as themes for even core messages.
1: So simple. Just tell me more. How do you balance what your customers or your potential customers are telling you they want and kind of who you are and what you're good at?
0: You have to really understand who makes an ideal customer for your business. Who's your most profitable customer? client. What clients are referring you today? Because that's a pretty good idea that they're having a great experience. And really start narrowing your focus. We're diving into step number three, actually. I I was just going to say, (laughs) I think this is two
1: or three, right? The top, (laughs) yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. So I encourage readers to think in terms of narrowing their focus to the top 20% of their existing customer. And typically what has happened when I've done that with folks is that they start seeing trends in their top customers, certain industries, certain behaviors, certain problems they were trying to solve. And conversely, they also start seeing that the bottom 20, 30, maybe even 40% of work that they're doing is A, not really that profitable, and B, maybe shouldn't be doing. Because one of the things that I've seen over the years, and I know the 80-20 principle is completely cliche, but I've seen it happen so often that businesses that we've worked with, you know, 80%-ish of their profits are coming from the top 20, 25% of their clientele, and yet they still want to offer 74 services to anybody who might want to buy something. So I think one of the things that often gets lost in this idea of personas and things that us marketers like to talk about is it's not just about demographics. It's not even just about behavior. Start analyzing your customers or potential customers based on this filter as well who can you provide the most value for the fastest? Now, you might not always have an answer for that, but I know over the years, you know, somebody can come to me and there's something going on in their website, there's something going on with their content, they're at a certain stage of their business, and I can instantly say, we can turn this ship around immediately. And the beauty of that thinking is that they are going to be happy. <laughs> they are going to say, what else can you do for us? And so scaling or growing with your existing customers is, to me, the most effective way to build a business.
1: I love that idea. Say that again. Who can you provide the most value?
0: Most value for the fastest. Because that's the group that would do 10 times business with you or maybe 100 times more business with you if you then continued to discover how you could provide even more value.
1: It is really interesting how, you know, I never expected this, but how you have a customer that's really happy that they'll actually
0: come to you and say, what else can you do? Or the saddest thing is when they come to you and say, oh, we just hired so-and-so to do X. And you're like, wait, we do that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So how do you avoid that happening?
0: Well, one of the things that I talk about in the first step a lot is this idea of the customer journey. So often, you know, tactics obsession, marketing funnel hacking (laughs) obsession that's everywhere in marketing kind of ends once somebody becomes a customer. But in our model, something I have called for at least 15 years, the marketing hourglass, we really put a lot of emphasis on what happens after somebody becomes a customer. Actually intentionally teach them, here's what else we do here's what else we could do you know here's the value you're getting you know here's the results we're getting from the work that's really how you avoid that and i see it all the time customers that hire us to start working with them and developing this entire customer journey they have a customer list of 1500 people that they have never actually communicated with unless those folks say hey we need something else so you know having an intentional retention and repeat business strategy as well as an intentional referral generation strategies probably where the money is for most businesses uh, rather than kind of chasing, you know, followers on TikTok or whatever it is they're doing.
1: It's so interesting because, you know, the term customer journey comes up a lot. Yeah, and very popular this, in the last
0: 10 years, right?
1: Right. And this like real intentionality about, you know, your sort of your funnel and your pre-purchase process. But I think you're right. I don't hear people talking about a very intentional process through purchase and into post-purchase which is really where there's a tremendous amount of value.
0: Well, and just the idea of creating community around your customer. You know, few things will actually generate more momentum for you than that type of activity. And yet we kind of wait for sort of the accidental referral (laughs) because we do good work. And obviously you've got to do good work or you're not going to get referrals. But there's a recent Texas Tech survey that I quote all the time. They talked to several thousand consumers and 86% of them said that they had a business that they loved and that they would refer, you know, evangelize. And yet only 29% of them actually did. And I think that giant gulf, you know, 50%-ish you know, gulf is something where there's some real money left on the table.
1: So how do you bridge that gulf
0: Well, the biggest one is just being intentional about it. I mean, people a lot of times make referrals because in an instant somebody asks them for a recommendation. So what are we doing to quarterly or whatever the rhythm is, you know, make sure that people know we're not only that we're out there, but that we're doing great work and that we would love referrals. If you have existing clients who have referred business to you, what are you doing to make them feel not only appreciated, but champions? You know, what are you doing to build a community around them? And now step number five, which is scale with your existing customers, which is essentially a referral strategy. Whether you're starting out or whether you've got a growing business already, developing a network of strategic partners is absolutely one of the most (laughs) underutilized practices for business owners. So what I mean by that is... All of your customers have other professionals or other businesses that they buy from or that they need that are non-competing businesses. And so what are you doing to actually find those folks and start offering value to them? Your existing customers know how brilliant you are. So of course they can talk very intelligently about what you've done for them, but at most maybe they have three or four referrals. Whereas the right strategic partner can introduce you to potentially thousands of prospects. And so that a lot of times is where I will start with folks is to help them start developing those strategic partner networks. You know, I have clients over the years that one or two of the right strategic partners basically becomes their entire pipeline.
1: So when you talk about a strategic partnership, is there a financial incentive or is this like uh, you promote me, I promote you? How do you structure those kind of things?
0: Well, there are many, many ways to structure them. But quite frankly, the way I like to look at it is if I have customers that I know are going to need other things, they're going to need an accountant, they're going to need a lawyer, they're going to need a banking relationship, then I want to build that strategic partner network where when my customer says, hey, do you know anybody who can help me with this problem? I could say, absolutely, here you go. Because I think I make myself more valuable to my customer. Obviously, that person that I'm referring is Probably going to feel a reciprocal uh, relationship. Now, there definitely are certain types of engagements or relationships or business models where that makes some sense. But particularly in professional services, you know, I want that person to know that this is somebody I truly trust. This is somebody I know can help you. And that's the only reason I'm referring to.
1: I just took a branding course for my own benefit. And one of the things that we talked about in that was very similar in terms of, he called it the clock model, but it was really emphasizing the post-purchase is one of the underutilized areas. But when you're starting a new business, you got to kickstart that machine and there is no post-purchase until there's purchase.
0: (laughs) How do you get that going? Well, I will give you an example. When I started my business or when we really were starting to move online in sort of a global way, I went to a couple software folks that were big players and trench players that had small businesses as their primary ideal customer, and I had created some content, some eBooks, some webinars that they knew they needed to be doing more of, them, but they weren't yet. And so, consequently, by me showing up and saying, Look, I'd like to offer this to all of your customers or all of your members. And, you know, I was sort of a welcome guest at that point because I wasn't selling anything. I was filling a gap for them. I was allowing them to co brand my content. And consequently, we developed thousands of customers from a couple of those relationships in the early days of starting my business when, quite frankly, most of those people had never heard of me. But now I was being ushered in as an authority from an already trusted source. So I tell people all the time, that's the first place I would start.
1: Yeah, I love the idea that specifically the idea of the sort of the free gift, because you're hitting post-purchase and pre-purchase at the same time. But it brings me to another piece of this. I'm a great advocate for content. You know, I think people think of content as only a pre-purchase element, but I think it's a great way to maintain a relationship
0: with your customers after the purchase Absolutely. I mean, you already asked the question about, you know, how do you make sure people know what else you do? Well, that's really a content play. So our stages of the customer journey are no like trust, try, buy, repeat and refer. And I tell people all the time that if you want to produce less content, Anybody want to raise their hand on that one, (laughs) right? I mean, that's probably become one of the greatest stresses and chores for most marketers. And the way to think about producing less content is to take every piece of the customer journey and ask yourself, what questions and objectives are people trying to accomplish at each of these stages? And anytime you write a piece of content or think about where you have gaps in your content, just plug it into one of those stages of the customer journey. Instead of thinking about, okay, what's another blog post we can write so we maybe can get some SEO, think about plugging in all of those stages of the journey.
1: When we think about content, unfortunately, most people hear content strategy and they basically think blog and SEO. Obviously, we're talking about the whole breadth of content, but are there ways that you can target? I mean, other than using your CRM and reaching out to the post-purchase customer, are there ways that you think of directing that content at people at different points in the journey?
0: Well, you know, one of the things that's gotten extremely hard, I mean, we used to think about the customer journey as a very linear path that we controlled. And the thing that's probably changed the most about marketing, regardless of all the hand-wringing about new tactics and new platforms, is really the way that people now today choose to become customers. You know, that's the biggest change that we have to react to. And a lot of the stages or a lot of the steps in how they determine who they're going to buy from are kind of out of our control you know, it's really more about putting things out there and guiding people on the journey that they want to go on rather than the journey we want them to take. So I think you have to think in terms of there's some ability for you to direct people, but we all know that today's buyer in many cases has almost, or, you know, come close to making the decision to buy or not buy from us before we even know they're out there looking. And so That's why this idea of understanding the questions and objectives as they change and producing content that actually helps them move. An example I have in the book is a tax planner. They actually had very aggressive kind of tax planning strategies that a lot of people weren't really looking for because they didn't understand they existed. So what they realized was that the real problem people were trying to solve was to be more profitable. And so we would write content about being more profitable and then we would write content about, oh, by the way, one of the best ways to be more profitable is to cut expenses. Hadn't really thought about that, had you? Because everybody thinks profit and they think more revenue. And by the way, one of the greatest ways to cut expenses is to cut your tax bill. And so as people were kind of moving through the journey, that was kind of a way to get them to our solution that they didn't know was the problem they were trying to solve. So I think we have to, as marketers, think about the fact that people's questions change as they get more information. You know, when we're don't even really know what our problem is, we've got a lot of questions. When we're starting to consider maybe you're the solution for me, we've got different questions.
1: It's so true. I have been in this sort of messaging space for my whole career. And without fail, what they want to know is how do I get more people to listen to my podcast, right? Yes, yes, and yes, yes. really what we have to say is like, Is that even how you measure success? What do you need to find out? Like, what is this show doing for you? And then we talk about quality and all these other things. So you're right.
0: To your exact same question, what are your objectives? Do you want to have a big show with a big audience and lots of advertisers? Okay, great. That's one path. But every business can actually use a podcast as a way to generate leads.
1: No, you're completely right. And my process is this five Ps. And the first one is purpose. And the thing that I really like to talk to people about is exactly that. Do you want to meet great people? Do you want to create leads? Do you want to build your email list? Is this a hobby? Do you just want to express your creativity? Do you want to drive traffic somewhere? Do you want to take advantage of that kind of deep conversation to kind of move people because, you know, it's a really longer engagement. Like there's so many different reasons. I like to start there so that then they know if they're actually successful and what path to take.
0: Yeah. And in some cases it will evolve. I mean, I started my podcast because I wanted to meet great people. Well, now somehow we have hundreds of thousands of people downloading my show every week. Not really sure how that happened, but I really started it to meet great people. And I still tell people that's why I continue to do it.
1: So this caught my eye in your notes and you said narrative is different from storytelling. And I was really curious about that.
0: Well, so as you know, in the last 10 years or so, the idea of storytelling in marketing was kind of a new thing really in a lot of ways. 10 years ago, now there's probably an entire section in bookstores with books on storytelling in marketing and in business. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I think, again, it has a little bit of that, you know, here's how you take people through the story and the way you want them to go through. And I like to talk about content as being less of a story. Yes, there is a story in there but narrative is how the story is cut up and told in a way that makes it more compelling so we all know the classic sort of screenplay approach where the movie starts with a you know a fiery car chase and crash and then cuts to the protagonist in sixth grade, and you're like, wait a minute, I gotta know how that ends. I've gotta know how we got there. And I think that that's really how we need to start thinking about our storytelling, is that we have to paint the future picture. We have to get people engaged in the narrative that they're already telling themselves so that they then invite us to really kind of unpack the entire story but there's nothing wrong with storytelling it's so much better than sort of the old sales approach but I just think we have to be careful to assume that the people want to hear a story again as you already alluded to in some ways they want to know what's in it for me before they'll listen to the story.
1: So kind of engaging curiosity, it sounds like, with your example, right? That's a big yeah. part of it.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, thank you so much. I could actually ask you a whole day's more questions, <laughs> but I, I'll resist. I'll go read your book as soon as I get the copy. I will put the website and all that in the close. But is there anything else you want our listeners to know about what you're doing?
0: Yeah, I mean, first off on the book, it's theultimatemarketingengine.com. There's three chapters. There's actually, you know, one of the things that because I do this work that I talk about every day, we developed checklists and templates and lots of forms and tools that when you get the book, you're going to get a link to a page in the book that will allow you to also get all of that material. So I kind of like to talk about the book as a strategy book with a workshop tucked inside of it. And so uh, you'll really get the ability to do some of the things that I talked about. If you just want to see what I've been up to for the last couple of decades, it's just ducttapemarketing.com and that's D-U-C-T-T-A-P-E marketing.com.
1: What was your biggest takeaway? No like, trust? Try, buy, refer? Or was it the untapped potential of really crafting the customer journey post-purchase? If you want to find out more about John Jantz and his books and his content, his new book is called The Ultimate Marketing Engine, Five Steps to Ridiculously Consistent Growth. You can find all his content, including his podcast, at his website, ducttapemarketing.com. D-U-C-T tape marketing.com if you're interested in any of the courses that i'm giving get on the list to be notified when the next one opens up by going to madmotion.com and clicking on the grow your podcast item in the menu thanks for listening and i'll see you next time